The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are going to talk about who will be Giannis's rival, handicapping the rivalry that will start with Antetokounmpo and another superstar. There are some that are already contending for the belt. We'll evaluate them all and then give our pick. We will also talk about best case and worst case scenarios for the NFL draft when it comes to the Green Bay Packers and their NFC North rivals. We'll go through that. We will end the show with wondering what Josh Hader would have to do to become a Cy Young Award winner. Maybe even a candidate. Maybe just be in the race. What would it take for Josh Hader, who's on an insane pace, to start this season? And then lastly, we might do a little bit on not having accountability when your significant other leaves the house in our Chuck's Corner segment. We're not doing Shotsky today. Um, sorry about that. I know that's what we have been doing. Well, we should probably do some shot skiing, right? Because I was like, all right, maybe let's do hater accountability. Uh, we'll do the or hater accountability. Josh Hater, the accountability, and we'll just do some NBA playoff stuff and just riff on some things that happen in the NBA playoffs, what's upcoming on Wednesday and Thursday night and all that shit. We'll do that at the end. So that'll be the shot ski instead of being segments. We'll do it that way. I can't. I'm sometimes bad about segments, right? Where like I start doing a segment and then I can forget about it. And it's like, well, what about this? Haven't done questions from you guys, which I'm probably going to do on Friday. I weren't getting a lot of questions, so I didn't want to do it every week. So it's kind of going to be in every other thing. So we will do questions again on Friday. But I don't want to forget segments. So if you guys like something and I stop doing it, let me know. Perfect way to let me know is on Twitter, uh, Tapping the Keg. Uh, Tapping the Keg Sports, let me know on Instagram as well um, and TikTok as well as Facebook. Um, I'm available. DMs are always open. You can let me know what kind of feedback. If there are certain segments you like, certain segments you don't like, um, we can always adjust. We can always alter, obviously. I'd like to hear it from more than one person, but if one person is happy, I like to make them happy. Uh, also, too, make sure you're rating and reviewing. If you are not already subscribed, if you are subscribed, make sure you're telling your friends. Make sure you're sharing this out. Um, I'd really appreciate it. I think that anyone who is a Bucks fan, who's a Packer fan, this is a great time to be getting involved. Even the Brewers fans can get involved um, right now, and hopefully there's some cross-section. If you're a diehard of one team and you're like, wow, I, I love the Brewers, but I really don't care about the Bucks. I really don't care about the Packers. We usually timestamp our stuff. So you'll at least know when things are, are going on during the show. So you can just listen to the Brewers segment that we do. But we try to cover all the teams as best as we can. All right. That was long-winded to start. Um, let's get into Giannis and his rivalries. So Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in basketball. I know this. You know this. only person that probably doesn't know this is Kevin Durant and some of the national media. I do think that if Giannis Antetokounmpo goes far in the NBA playoffs this year, whether it is a NBA title or even an NBA Finals appearance, everyone will have to admit that Giannis is the best player on earth. Their hands will be tied. What I'm wondering about is who will be Giannis's rival. I made a little bit of a mention that it would be great to see the Giannis versus Luka rivalry come to life. And I think there is more of a chance than I really ever thought. Like, I didn't think Dallas was an NBA Finals contender. But the more that I watch Dallas, the more that I see them play defense, I can ignore the Jason Kidd basically being the coach. And I think Jason Kidd has figured 
figured it out at least for this year. I hate to admit that. I don't really like Jason Kidd at all, but I'm willing to admit that Jason Kidd has done a really good job with the Dallas Mavericks. But that is not necessarily where I would start when it comes to handicapping the rivals for Antetokounmpo. And they can be of all shapes and sizes. They do not have to be a power forward or a center. It can be a guard. It can be a guy where Giannis Antetokounmpo is going at it in meaningful games. Now, do they have to be on the western side of the bracket? No, they do not have to be. Do they have to be somebody that Giannis will have playoff matchups against, either West or East? Absolutely. I think that's part of the criteria. That is part of developing the rivalry. Now, you could throw some guys that aren't currently playing in the playoffs right now, such as Kevin Durant or LeBron James, into that category. I would say LeBron and Giannis have not played one meaningful game against each other. There is no real rivalry between Giannis and LeBron. One of the things that bums me out about the Lakers' failure and the Lakers' ineptitude is that we might never see Giannis versus LeBron in a meaningful game, which is crazy to think about. But if you recall, we never got to see LeBron and Kobe. We were always robbed of that moment. Whether LeBron robbed us of that, whether Kobe robbed us of that, we never got it. The closest we ever got was 2009 when the Lakers went on to play the Orlando Magic after the Cleveland Cavaliers fell apart, even though they did have home court advantage. And the four and out offense basically was invented by Stan Van Gundy in that series. So you go there and you throw out LeBron. I think Kevin Durant has a somewhat of a case. I think if Giannis and Durant were, were playing each other this year, I would have probably said that Durant and Giannis are very big rivals and that their rivalry matters and that we are we should pay attention to that and that Durant would then be the overwhelming favorite. But because we will not see Brooklyn and and Milwaukee, I cannot put you know Durant in that category. The other guy that could potentially face Giannis in the first meaningful games of their careers is Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid to me is the most worthy candidate. He's the guy that A, is similar in stature. B, he has the skill and the ability to be an MVP every year is if he stays healthy, which is a big if. But Giannis and Embiid could go at it for years to come in the Eastern Conference, and there could be a real rivalry between Milwaukee and Philadelphia. There already is a rivalry between the fan base. The fan bases fucking hate each other. They want You want blood. If you talk to Mitch Ross, they hate... They hate each other, right? So I do think it's already baked in. I think the teams don't really like each other either. There is the Giannis and Harden rivalry, which is not necessarily one where you're like, oh, it's a actual rival, right? It's just Giannis and Harden had beef about the MVP, and Giannis doesn't really forget. He's not a guy that sort of lets go of things. He he definitely makes sure that you he knows that you don't like him, and he knows that he, he doesn't, think highly of you. So yes, Embiid, I would say, is a favorite to enter that ring. I do think there is a real chance that Jason Tatum and Giannis could develop a real rivalry. I think Boston is set up for success, right? I don't think Boston is going away anytime soon. Tatum being 23, a little bit younger than Giannis Antetokounmpo, I do think there is a potential where you have Tatum and Giannis going at each other. They have faced each other now. This will be their third time facing each other in the playoffs, but I think this one is the most meaningful, assuming the Milwaukee Bucks win and they don't do the unthinkable, but you never know. 
Basketball is a weird sport. Mitch and I are taping after a game tomorrow, and I'm fucking terrified that the Bucks are going to lose. I really am. I, I just am because we did it once, um, and it was a 50-point blowout uh, by the Nets. It wasn't 50 points. It was 39. Shannon fact-checked us after our tapping the keg when I mentioned it was 50. But it was 39. All hope was lost. If you listen to that podcast, you would not have thought the Bucks won the finals that year. And you're like, actually, if you were to tell me after that podcast, then you were like a ghost from the future. And we're like, hey, just so you know, you're going to be drunk as shit on a Sunday, on a Tuesday night, celebrating a Bucks championship in mid middle of July. I would not have believed you for a fucking second. But yes, Tatum does have a chance to potentially get into that realm of rival for Antetokounmpo. I think it becomes more and more real if they have a dogfight of a second round, which I assume to be. You also have Nikola Jokic. I think Jokic you could probably throw out for now. Until Jokic's team gets better, I don't see the Jokic and Giannis thing. Jokic or Giannis and Luka for sure have a, I would say, a potential budding rivalry. But again, you need to see them in the finals against each other. If the Bucks and Suns were to clash heads again, I also think you have to put Devin Booker near the top and Chris Paul for that matter. But I think because Booker is young, you have to put Devin Booker and Giannis in sort of that rivalry category, even though they don't square up against the others. There's the two best players on the team. I think you naturally have a rival, just like LeBron and Steph Curry. I think the Giannis and Steph Curry rivalry would never really be one because they're kind of friends. Like, I, I think there's something there where I, I can't see it. John Morant, I think, is too young. I don't think that Memphis team is making it out of the second round. Um, I don't even know if they'll make it out of the, fir- the first round. I bet on Minnesota tonight. I didn't have the money line. I was like, there is Minnesota's been the better team for five games. Minnesota literally could have won this series in five. I know we're going to do some NBA stuff at the end. But, like... Uh, it's it's unbelievable. So I, I do not see Memphis being long in the tooth in this playoffs. But you never know. Base basketball, again, like I said, with the Bucks game tonight, it's a weird sport. You never know what can happen. So I think if we were to handicap this officially, um, I think you I would put it as these three guys as Giannis's top rivals that are top potential rivals uh, for the future. I will say Tatum won. Okay, because I I really do think that if you were to give me Boston for the next five years or Philadelphia for the next five years, I'm taking Boston, I think probably eight or nine out of times out of 10. I really am. So I'm going to put Tatum as the number one guy. You're like, whoa, did you just become Bill Simmons all of a sudden? No, I didn't. Um, I promise you, this is not a pro Boston thing. It's just I look at it and I see the most opportunity for a team for the Bucks to face year in, year out, it's going to be Boston. And there'll be games where there'll be won, there'll be games that we lost. Oh, I guess you should also, one of the guys I, I forgot, which, and this might speak to the Miami Heat, but Bam Adebayo, um, I, I'm not there yet. I don't think Bam's a star. I think that's a problem, right? I think you would say it's Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler's kind of long in the tooth as is. Um, he's not going to be, who knows if Jimmy's even going to be on Miami next year. I'm not really like ready to say, oh, it's Jimmy Butler versus Giannis. I I just don't see it. Um, I, I think it's not necessarily something that will be sustainable. So, But I did want to mention Miami since I clearly forgot about him. I'm not going to th- put Siakam in that mix yet until Toronto's the top four seed, until, again, there's meaningful playoffs post-Bucks championship. We know the Raptors and Bucks 
have faced each other before, but Siakam was not the player that he is today. So we'll hold our horses on that. But going back to the handicap itself, I'm still taking Tatum to one. I'll take Embiid two, and I'll take Booker three. And I think those are the top three rivals. I think the honorable mention, the fringe guys, if you will, would be uh, Luka. I think you would put Durant in that potential there if Durant has a revival at some point. I think maybe Siakam. I, I could see Toronto kind of breaking through next year and having a really good year. They still could beat Philadelphia. Um, again, we'll talk more about the playoffs later. But yeah, I, I definitely think those are the three at this point. would love to hear what you guys think. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, Tapping the Keg, or on Instagram, Tapping the Keg Sports. Uh, maybe we'll do a poll um, after I post the podcast and see what you guys think of the biggest rivals of the next few years. All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers are making their first two selections of the NFL draft on Thursday. It seems like more and more people are talking themselves out of the Packers drafting a wide receiver. I do think this is something that Packer Twitter does. I like Packer Twitter. I think Packer Draft Twitter, which is a subsection of it, um, gets in their head by this time. It's like somebody who's studied for their test too long and all of a sudden they picked up, you know, chapter 14 and they looked at chapter 14 and you're like, well, I'm supposed to really only look at chapters 8 through 12, but I needed to see chapter 14. I feel like they're overthinking themselves at this point. I think that they've done too much research. They need to kind of put the pencils down and just sort of let it see how it plays out. The Darren Waller thing seems off the table. I don't know if it's actually going to happen. It's interesting that it got refuted and said zero chance today by Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Not saying that Nagler didn't have a source there, but it's interesting to hear sort of the complete opposite as the day went on. As for what would be a best case scenario and a worst case scenario for the Green Bay Packers in this draft, I think... Best case scenario for the Packers in these first two days would really be the Green Bay Packers get, you know, fill holes, right? That Green Bay doesn't make anything off the beaten path. That Green Bay adds a wide receiver. That Green Bay adds a tight end if they're not going to trade for Darren Waller. That Green Bay adds a edge rusher or they add an interior defensive lineman or they add a linebacker. Um, no, like, cornerback, no running back, even no offensive... I would be a little hesitant on even an offensive tackle, I'll be honest. Like, I feel like guard makes the most sense if you believe that Elton Jenkins is going to be your right tackle of the future. And if that's going to be the case, then you don't draft a tackle, you draft a guard. And I would assume that Elton Jenkins wants to play tackle because Elton Jenkins wants to get paid like a tackle, which again, I do not blame Elton one fucking bit for that. So I do think if Green Bay can check those boxes... That would be great. I think that would be ideal for the Green Bay Packers. I think worst case scenario is the Packers not having a guy with a first round draft grade when it gets to 22. I saw somebody today, I forget who it was, say that some teams only have 15 to 16 first round draft grades at this point, which is terrifying, right? Because that could mean that by the time Green Bay gets to 22, there's nobody left. Now this could mean that Green Bay could trade up This could mean that Green Bay could trade down and could sort of accumulate as many draft picks as possible if this is a more deep draft and the first round is going to be forgettable. 
But I will say, if you want a wide receiver, there is some value to drafting a guy in the first round because you get that fifth-year option. That's why I think wide receivers will go as wide receiver contracts have skyrocketed. At some point, there will be a bubble, but the bubble has not hit. At some point, the GMs will have that moment like they did in the big short where they realize everything is fucked. Maybe they've already had it and we don't know. But at this point, wide receivers are a premium. So that's a case of maybe the worst case won't happen. Maybe the Packers will avoid that worst case scenario from occurring. Another thing would be is if, you know, a couple of their Packer guys get taken right before the Packers pick at 22. It seems to happen more often than not where guys start going right before Green Bay is going to make their move. And that would be disappointing. I think also, too, if Green Bay were to draft Jahan Dotson or Devontae Watt, I would be disappointed in the sense that I was so convinced that neither of those guys would be Packers that if they were, I would have to do a lot of soul searching. And and we have to definitely talk a lot about what Green Bay is and what Green Bay isn't after that. So I feel like that is a worst case scenario. I think not coming away with a receiver in the first two rounds with how talented and how deep the receivers are would be a complete waste unless there is a move coming. I highly doubt that there is a move coming. I don't expect a move to be coming, but you never know. So that to me is kind of the worst case scenario stuff for Green Bay. I mean, there are other things that can go wrong, but I do think when you have four picks in the first first 60 picks, you should be able to make some good of it. And I'm not ready to do draft grades after the first day. I think I had a podcast one once that was like, fuck your draft grades. Like, I hate draft grades. I think they are so stupid. Um, everybody does them. They're clickbaity. They get a, a lot of attention. But I think they are the dumbest fucking thing we do in society because you never know what a draft class will turn out to be. Never forget the Seattle Seahawks were an F grade with Bobby Wagner in their first round, and they were an absolutely fantastic team going forward. And that was one of the drafts that propelled Seattle to winning a Super Bowl. So again, fuck your draft grade. I hope everybody sort of stays that tried and true because it is absolutely stupid. I do not give one single fuck about a draft grade. They don't matter. I still will click on your post, so don't worry. I'll give you a click, but I think draft grades are ridiculous, even though, even even when the Packers are maybe getting their dick sucks. It doesn't, doesn't matter to me. As for the rest of the NFC North, starting with the Minnesota Vikings, as I think that's Green Bay's biggest competition, right? I think for the Vikings, it's just, could they get improvement in their secondary? If you look at at the Vikings right now, at their depth chart, it is sad. Like, it is not a depth chart that I think Vikings fans want to see. I realize this could be piling on as a lot of them are Timberwolves fans, but it's just something you're going to have to deal with if you are a a Vikings fan and a T-Wolves fan right now. Their secondary, excluding Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum, Cameron Dantzler, a lot of Camerons, two Camerons in their in their defensive backfield. That's questionable at best. Chandon Sullivan, good luck. Patrick Peterson, washed. Like that is an awful, awful, awful secondary. That secondary is going to get toast. And so I do think if the Vikings get Derek Stingley or the Vikings are able to get Kyle Hamilton, I'm not going to be happy. 
Like, that will be a way that I will be displeased with the Minnesota Vikings. If they're able to get either of those guys, I am going to be pissed. Because both those guys will immediately help their defense. If they were able to get, like, a guy like Lewis Seen in the second round, I would be not happy with that. I don't think Seen's going to drop that far. But you get my point. I know if they draft a guy like Trent McDuffie out of Washington, I'm okay with that. Because guess what? Trent McDuffie is basically a Irish version of Kevin King. I'm just kidding. Um, just a name joke and everything like that. And they're both from Washington. It works. You laughed. Admit that you fucking laughed. Just like you laughed at my Chris Olave TikTok. And if you haven't seen my Chris Olave TikTok, please let me know. I'm happy to share it with you because it was fun. I just kind of gooned out and had a good time. But anyways, moving on. Uh, with the Vikings, I, I guess the best case scenario would be if they wasted an early pick on a quarterback. I, I saw something, just, I don't know, some bullshit about maybe they're interested in Sam Howell. Like, I feel like if the Vikings waste another top pick on a quarterback, that's just helping everybody else. Um, the Vikings don't really need a wide receiver, so I'm not really worried about competing there. I am worried about a little bit of their interior defensive line. Like, they got a Travis Jones right from Connecticut in the second round. I'd be kind of a, concerned about that if they were able to get one of their linebackers. I'm trying to think of one. Quay Walker, he's been moving though. I don't know if Quay Walker is going to last by the second round. But yeah, Quay Walker would be another guy who I'd be a little bit concerned with. I don't think they'd draft Jordan Davis. But if they were to draft Jordan Davis, again, I again not a position of need. But I would be unhappy if Jordan Davis ended up being in, in Minnesota. Um, that would not make me feel good. Let me just put it that way. So those are a few names. Derek Stingley, another guy, just really quick mention. I don't think Stingley is going to be there at 12. He sounds like he's going to go top five, maybe to the Texans. Um, but Stingley is another dude that I would not be happy with. Or if one of the tackles fell. Like if Evan Neal or Charles Cross were to fall, I would be unwell that they would go to the Minnesota Vikings. As for the Detroit Lions, I worry that we're already kind of starting with the Detroit Lions. If I could predict the Detroit Lions draft, because Detroit loves football, guys. Detroit's the PMT joke, but they don't get that it's a joke. Uh, Detroit's going to get Aiden Hutchinson. It's going to fall right in their fucking lap, just like Panay Sewell did. So now you have Aiden Hutchinson. You have a guy who is Michigan. You can brand around him. You can build sort of a franchise tone around this guy. He's like a J.J. Watt except a little less douchey, but still kind of douchey. Um, but, and then I do expect them to get a quarterback. I think they're going to get Desmond Ritter. Um, again, I am not sourced on this. I just think Desmond Ritter, football guy, leader, just makes a lot of sense, right? He seems like a guy that would fit in exactly with Dan Campbell. And so that, that I think that's on the table. I would not be surprised if they get a quarterback early. I would be... If I had to rank it, I would say most concerned about Ritter, uh, medium concerned about Sam Howell, less concerned about Matt Corral. I like Matt Corral, but the more I kind of look at shit, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this guy can actually be an NFL NFL talent. Um, so that, that would kind of be the three. But I do expect the Lions to go after one. Um, they could also go after a receiver. Um, that would be a pain in the set, pain in the side. You know, Packers could lose out on one of their receiving targets. You know, at that thirty-second spot or that thirty-third spot. Excuse me. No, no, they dropped thirty-second. That's right. They dropped thirty-second with the Lions because they have the Matt Stafford or the Rams because they have the Matt Stafford pick. So there you have it. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what the Lions end up doing. Um, as for the Bears, Bears do not have a first-round pick. 
Um, but obviously the nightmare scenario would be the Bears getting into the first round somehow and drafting Chris Olave for Justin Fields. That would be an absolute nightmare scenario. I don't expect it to happen. I don't know how much draft capital the Bears have available. It sounds like they're going to try to move Robert Quinn for some draft picks. I don't know what you can get for Robert Quinn. I don't think you can get a first rounder. I don't even think you can get a second rounder. I maybe get a third rounder. Um, but yeah, Robert Quinn, definitely a name that uh, will be potentially in the trade talks today and tomorrow. Um, as the Bears are trying to rebuild that defense. And I think the Bears are going to be pretty bad next year. I I really do. I don't think they're going to be anything special. Um, Nothing would be more funny than the Chicago Bears being absolute ass next year and having a chance at the first first pick and then having to choose between Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young Um, because that would be laugh-out-loud funny. Um, and I would just love to see Bears fans sort of spin their head uh, about that whole thing because it would be very entertaining, um, and I look forward to it. Um, so definitely definitely on the table. Um, Chicago, I just think, has a long way to go, and I don't know if they can do it through second and third rounds, but they could get Justin Fields a receiver. I would imagine they're going to get a guy like Pickens or Watson, and we're not going to be happy with it, um, but that's... That's that's draft, man. You spend a lot of time with these guys, and then you only get fourteen of them. That's kind of the the bitch of the beast, right? You're, I think that's how many picks Packers have. Um, they might only have twelve, but regardless, you're not going to get every one of your guys that you like. And some of them are going to go to your rivals, and it fucking sucks. And then, okay, so we did all three. I guess just really quick on the Niners. Really, it is just they get Trey on Burks. If they get Burks, then it's like fuck. You know, okay. You basically just replaced Debo Samuel. Good for you. Or I guess if they, I don't think they're going to get the Jets 10th pick. Like if they get the Jets 10th pick, like the Jets A can go fuck themselves. Like that's a terrible, I will accuse them of pandering or not pandering, um, colluding. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the legal term. Uh, colluding because that's, that can't happen. Um, so hopefully it won't. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want that to occur. I think that would be worst case for the Niners, the Rams. They hate draft picks more than I hate staying on diet, so I'm not worried about them. Um, and then as for the NFC South with the the Buccaneers, I actually okay. All right, we're gonna say this really quiet. Um, hopefully, national media Murph doesn't hear us. I think the Bucks might suck next year. Don't tell anybody, but I I think I might take Tampa's under. I, I really will. And if I look like a fucking idiot. I look like a fucking idiot, but I'm I'm getting on that train early. Let's just put it that way. All right, moving on to the Wisconsin Shotsky. This is something we do every Wednesday when we can. Um, when I'm not doing tapping the keg, uh, basically it is the three three things that are not really full topics, kind of just half topics. They're just shots, right? Try to be five to seven minutes at most. Um, if you ever have any suggestions. For the Shotsky, we are all ears. Uh, number one, Josh Hader. Josh Hader is on an unreal pace. Speaking of National Media Murph, he sent me this today about the run Hader's on as he got another save in the Brewers' win against the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is absolutely crazy. Josh Hader has nine plus saves in a team's first 18 games. Other guys to do that Shane Green, Kirby Yates, Greg Holland. Armando Benitez, Danny Graves, Jeff Facero, 
Kaz Sazaki. Remember Kaz Sazaki? Rod Beck, legend, great mustache, and Lee Smith. Hater is on an incredible run right now. Um, and it'll be curious to see if he can A, keep it up, and B, if he could play himself into the Cy Young conversation. So how would Josh Hader play himself into that conversation? I think the only way that Josh Hader plays himself in that conversation is A, he doesn't blow a save all year. I think if he's perfect and he, let's say, saves anywhere from 50 to 60 games, I think that, to me, is Cy Young worthy. Um, Also, too, it would be the Brewers winning a lot of close games. Like If they have a one-run record, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a... A, a good like let's say they're 10 or 15 games above 500 in one run games and they play top five most one run games i think that would be another case for hater i think it's an alternative way to do it i don't think you're going to see that a lot especially because the national league has such good pitching with max scherzer chris bassett has been incredible for the mets so far um you have corbin burns on our team logan webb um, just their names up and down the court. You know, I did mention DeGrom, who's good. Uh, Zach Wheeler's been bad to start the year. I'm trying to think of other names that I'm forgetting. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, but yeah, I, I think oh, Walker Buehler, who just had a complete game shutout uh, the other night. So that's another one. Like, there are so many guys, so I think it'll be really hard for Ader to get, get a Cy Young. But I'd be curious to see if he comes to the table, if someone kind of zags and is like, well, what about Josh Hader? He'd have to basically have a perfect season as a reliever. Uh, The other thing with the Brewers, really quick, um, great win tonight. Uh, Definitely a night for bats, 12 runs. It's the most runs the Brewers have had since August 12th. So it's good to see the Brewers can get their bats going, even though it was chilly in Pittsburgh. Uh, Willie Adamas is on an absolute tear right now. Um, hopefully Willie can stay hot throughout the week and sort of start propelling this Brewers team. We saw what happened last year when Willie got hot. It kind of made the Brewers get on a hot streak and stay warm. Um, They haven't really been able to develop any sort of consistency since their sweep against the Pirates. They've been win one, lose one, win one, lose one. So hopefully uh, this evening they can continue the winning streak and move forward and continue their success against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And like we said last week, it's very important to keep stacking up wins against the bad teams in your division. Um, that, That matters. And the Brewers have some real opportunity here in the next week, week and a half with the Pirates, then you go home to play Chicago, and then you stay home and you play the very, very lowly Cincinnati Reds. So I think there is a very good chance the Brewers could sort of warm up here before a real test against the Atlanta Braves next week. And that, to me, is a huge barometer game for the season. But we'll obviously talk about that as we get a lot closer. Other topics with the Shotsky. We have the NBA playoffs, which are rocking and rolling. Um, I love Steph phrase. I say that a lot. Um, probably need a new one. Um, suggestions are welcomed as well. I've asked for a lot of suggestions on this podcast. Needy bitch, what can I say? But um, for the NBA playoffs, as a Bucks fan for these games, it was mostly in the West, obviously, with Memphis, Minnesota, as mentioned earlier. I don't know how Minnesota is down 3-2 in this series. They've had every opportunity to win every game except for one. Um, Minnesota could easily have won that series in five. Um, Memphis deserves a lot of credit. I thought John Moran's dunk was absolutely phenomenal, but it meant absolutely nothing with Memphis down 10. Like Everybody was freaking out. Everybody was losing their shit. I'm like, they're losing the game. Now they come back to win. 
um, and that doesn't matter anymore. And that dunk won't get forgotten because everyone will sort of remember it, especially if Memphis, let's say, goes on to beat Minnesota in Minnesota for game six. And then they're able to sort of, you know, right the ship and maybe make it a competitive series against Golden State. That dunk will be iconic. I mean, that dunk should go up on every kid's wall. Now, kids probably don't even have posters on the wall. God, you know, sound like a boomer. It's probably going to be an NFT. But seriously, it bring back posters like that is a poster dunk that is a definition of a poster dunk you need to bring back posters for that John Morant dunk like let's make posters cool again um but yeah that dunk was awesome but it left me a little uneasy on social with everybody freaking out and the Memphis was still down 10 uh as for the Hawks and Heat man the Hawks are pathetic what a awful game from Trey Young. Trey Young should be embarrassed. Trey Young sulked in that game. He looked like he didn't want to be there. Just an unbelievable lack of fight from Trey Young. Um, and just, I, I wouldn't even say par for the course because it isn't, but it's like Miami beat him up and he went to go cry in a corner. And that is what Trey did. Uh, De- DeAndre Hunter was really good. Um, the Heat couldn't cover. Uh, shout out to Max Struess for a total the ball move by airballing a three um, up three. I um, really appreciate that, dude. Uh, but yes, uh, Toronto. You know Miami moves on. They will face the winner of Toronto and Philly, which has Game Six tonight. Very very fascinating by it. Without Fred VanVleet, man, this Toronto team can keep in your ass because they can keep throwing dudes at Embiid. I think this is going to go seven. And then everything comes through, right? You have top 15 Doc. You have James Harden. You have Embiid. Like, so many legacies will be on the line if this thing goes seven. And if the Philadelphia 76ers can't avoid being the first NBA team to give up a 3-0 lead. Um, Because if they do, oh my God. The takes will be on fucking fire. It will be a must be on Twitter night. Like that's a must Twitter night. Like that that a an MTT must Twitter night. You know MTN <laughs> idiot. Uh, but anyways, so what was I? Do? I guess must Twitter tonight. I don't know. Whatever. That sucked. It's fine. Just forget that. Forget that it even happened. Uh, but yes, I I think that you're going to see a lot of narratives come out if the Raptors were able to pull it off. And that's the only series we're waiting on is assuming the Bucks win. But I can't, man, I can't do it. I'm trying so fucking hard. Levina's COVID now. I'm trying really hard not to like get myself too high and be like, oh yeah, the Bucks have this. Like I just need to calm down. Like I can't, can't get ahead of myself. I'm just trying my best. Um, Dallas, Utah, I think Utah's dead. I think Dallas will put them in a coffin on Thursday night. I think the same for the Golden State Warriors in Denver. That was a cute run by Denver, but Golden State has been the better team. I would be shocked in the sim- similar vein as the Bucks if that was going back to Denver for a game six. And then, yeah, for the Suns, I, I mean, the Suns, couple things on the Suns, and then we'll talk about accountability real quick and then go. The Suns, number one, that the fact they had a rally beach was one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen in my life. Um, there were barely anybody there. I was reading some of the tweets. I guess they had some technical issues. They were charging like $15 a beer. Like everybody wants to be us, but you can't actually be us. Um, and who wants to watch a basketball game on a fucking beach? 
Like I'm I'm very anti-sand. I think everybody knows this about me. I hate the sand. Like I just hate how it feels. Um, I'm always dirty from the sand. It gets in my shit. Like fuck sand. Like I, I am more of a pool guy than I am a beach guy. So that's number one. Number two, the fact they were rubbing it in against the Pelicans of all teams was laugh out loud funny to me. Like, yeah, I know the Pelicans have pissed the Suns off, but it's like the Suns expected the Pelicans to lay down and they haven't. And they're like, why won't you die? And they're like, fuck off, old man. Mostly Chris Paul. Um, But like, I don't know. I I think that's just, I don't want to use the word classless because that's overdone. And I, you know, I hate stay classy and all the stuff, but I just think it's weird that you're the number one seed and you're trying to punk out a nine seed. That's just seems childish behavior. Seems like little league behavior, people who aren't ready for the big moment behavior. And yeah, that'll be it for the play, NBA playoffs. We'll see what continues on. And then lastly, I just, I'm taping this at like 1230. I'm out of my living room. My wife's gone on vacation, not on vacation. She's gone on work thing. And I'll tell you what, man, when your wife's gone, I don't know if people feel the same with your husband, your girlfriend, but like there is just no accountability. Like I don't have any, there are no rules. I can do whatever the fuck I want. It feels great, but there is some structure that's still important in your life and you don't realize it until the one you love and the one you live with is gone uh, because you need that structure to kind of keep yourself going um, because I, I don't know if I'm taping this podcast at 12 30 if I if I had to make sure everything else was set lights weren't on whatever the whole thing but yeah I, I need that accountability in my life. And right now, without my wife, I, I don't have it. But that's okay. It, it is it is nice. I will say it is nice to kind of sometimes have the, the freedom to do whatever the hell you want and to kind of do it at your own leisure. That part is nice. Uh, the other part can just be kind of a hassle. But, you know, we just figure it out. We, we move on. All right. That does it for our show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. We're going to do a Tapping the Keg with Mitch. After the game, we'll talk about the Bucks winning and look ahead to the Celtics. Or we will talk about one of the most embarrassing losses in franchise history. Um, there will really be no in-between there for Mitch and I. Um, he might stay on to chat about the Brewers. Um, he might not. And if that's the case, then I will just talk about the Brewers and then probably some final thoughts on the draft part two. Um, so we'll have all that for you um, on tomorrow's show. And then I will be back for Friday. We will do a draft recap, maybe some tail of the tape stuff if we can. And then also we will talk about your questions. And hopefully you guys will submit. They can be about life. They can be about the draft. They can be about anything. So make sure you get those in. I will make sure that's posted and ready to go. But that will be the week of the show. Also, too, no um, we probably actually will probably do a Saturday show um, just talking about what the Packers did on Friday, but then we won't do a Sunday show. We will wait till Monday. We'll have Bucks recap since they're supposed to play on Sunday uh, if they do beat the, beat the Bulls and everything like that. And then we'll have the rest of the draft and the Brewers to talk about. All right, that's the schedule. Hope you guys enjoyed. Make sure you're subscribing. If you're not, if you're not already subscribed, and if you are subscribed, make sure you're sharing this with your friends. Tell them all about us. Tell them what we are, who we're about, and why it's an alternative to your local radio stations. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.